This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Dr. Greg Carr is in the building. Um, There's a story by Howard Bryant in The Undefeated, Why Black Athletes Run From Black Identity. You dropped something in that conversation, Dr. Carr, about Mm. Richard Dawkins, and you Mm. turned it around on us, which we should always turn it around on us because let's stop talking about the plank in your eye or the splinter in your eye. We walking around with a chunk of wood in ours. Mm -hmm. Let's remove our own plank and let's start fixing ourselves and not worrying about them. They're going to deal with themselves. No question. And us. And us. But we're not ready. Until no. we get this together. <laughs> We're not ready. We're not ready. And this is part of the, the preparation, right? Yeah, First, um, before we go, because I'm, I'm going to get some callers in, Gail and Snoop, just quickly, did you did you ring in on this at all? Or this just oh, did... no, absolutely. I, okay. I thought it was a fascinating moment in terms of social class. I mean, Karen, you said something off the air, but it's it's how you, you walk through the world. As you said, we're not a monolith. No human community is. So when you convene conversations about our people, you're convening it trying to get one of everybody at the table. The uncomfortable truth is that there are class challenges we have in this country. Black people never developed a class stratification. So we have to understand after enslavement, that denial of real property, that denial of ownership really forced us into segregated spaces where we stayed together. So what we're finding is that now we're getting upper class, middle class, lower class, so to speak. I'm just using these labels. That was That's a late development in black communities, really post Jim Crow. Until then, we were all together. So when you have a Gayle King, who's really a creation in terms of a media space of Oprah Winfrey, an extension kind of thing. They they're navigating in a white world. I mean, I said this. Nobody. I said they're white men. Listen, without being disrespectful. Come on, come on, break it down, Karen, because you understand this from white the inside. Men, because that's how they move in the world. That's how the world sees them. Exactly. They have access that regular black people don't have. That's right. They have entree. They are given carte blanche. Except if you go to Hermes, and they don't know who you are. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's when you get reminded. Locking that door, no question. But but by and large, they operate like white men that's in right. society. That's right. And so when you have Gail extension of, of CBS sitting with Lisa Leslie. Now, who is Lisa Leslie? We know Lisa Leslie because of her labor. She's an athlete. She comes out of a maybe a different class formation. They're talking about Kobe Bryant, who came out of an upper class formation because his father was a ball player. It's Dr. J's man, Joe Bryant, out of Philly, them guys. But Kobe, this kind of erudite kid who also then grew to this large height and also a hard worker, wanted to be Michael Jordan. Now he's gone. Gail is almost obligated to stir this controversy. So she's going to ask about a case that was dismissed because the, per- the, the girl wouldn't testify. And she's pushing Lisa Leslie. She doesn't let it go at one. She pushes it again. Lisa Leslie is sitting there and like, nah, I'm not going to let you do that. He, he was never like that to me. I don't know him to be that. She's trying to get through it. Snoop comes out of that bottom class, which is the majority of our people in this country. Snoop gets on Facebook Live or whatever he did and reacts from the gut. And if we listen word by word, what does he say? He's saying, you ain't going to come for my homeboy. We ain't here to represent himself and his family. It's almost like a collective response. Then he drops the B word. That's a violation, bro. We know how that is. However, we also know that's what they saying on the street. And it ain't just men. And he said, why y'all always got to come for us? Why y'all always got to come for us? When I'm seeing on social media, most of the people came for Gail. Because social media is where the the black that's who are in the biggest class are responding. Oprah jumps out to defend her. Where in a white space? How's Gail? She's not doing well. She needs a bodyguard. And that's not engendering any sympathy. Gail's gotta come out. <laughs> Gail gotta come out and guess what? 
Gail is saying, okay, you know, what does she do? She tries to throw the company under the bus. Except I'm watching the tape. No matter how you edit it, you did ask that question. And you did ask that follow-up follow question. Yes, you did. How are you no, going to— No, and made that statement. Come on. You and don't know. You don't you know. know. You don't know him. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't would know, you? would you? You wouldn't know. Right. And, and then says, you know, well, you know, the victims won't testify. Yes, we know that's true. But why are you doing that? So anyway, long story short, if it's true, and you, you, you know better than I do, I'm sure, if it's true that it was Snoop's mom— it, come on. Or something. I don't, I don't know. Okay. But, but I'm just saying. I doubt I'm, it. Okay. I think it was Snoop. Snoop's corporate something. Okay, so maybe Snoop, yeah, Somebody man, you about like, to mess up the um, brand. Yeah, you and Martha Stewart got this thing it, on. Where Viacom, break which it is down. what? CMS, break CBS it down. is. Um, break it down, Karen. Uh, yeah, you might need to. You mess your money yeah, up now. You yeah. might need to. But here's the thing. Gail has yet to. But is he lower class? So so let's talk yeah, class yeah, let's, for a let's second. Do, let's do that. Because when you said it. 74% according to the census, which y'all need to fill out and check black. Come on now. 74% of black people are not in poverty. So when you what say- What does that cl- mean? Right. So when you say class, because Snoop lives in Beverly Hills, his kids- Now he including does. Including Cord- Cordell Broadus, who now has the luxury to be a model and wear dresses. Come on now. They don't They don't live among the people. Well, I don't mean now. No, I know. But yeah. you say, so we don't elevate? Well, well what I'm we saying don't, is- We I, don't do better I'm when not, we do better? I'm not looking at just dollars. Okay. I'm thinking about acculturation. Mm. So, for example, my man, Nick Cannon, who's graduating in May from Howard. Do you, know, you teach him? Oh, yeah. Me and him, sit, we, I'll see him tomorrow. We build every day. We got another book. Every week we read a different book, and we done read about two dozen books, everything. I mean, yeah, we sit and talk. So, But this brother's father's from North Carolina. All the people on his daddy's side, so many of them are ministers. The great Katie Geneva Cannon, the theologian, is his auntie. That's his auntie, Katie Cannon. West Coast, his mom is out there. He has seen both coasts. He's seen people all along the class strata. But like Snoop, he's also in Southern California, San Diego with these cats who are out there banging, out there slinging and banging. They keep him out of the life because he's funny. Snoop is close enough. He's got skills. He's a wordsmith. So they kind of keep him out. But they're both on the periphery of the life. So whether they grew up eating three times a day or not, whether they got a dollar sign when they fill out the sentence and they say, well, your people make between 25000 and 40000 so therefore they're not. Yeah, that's one thing. But if you're acculturated, when you see what Snoop said to Gail, that's them Negroes in the hood. That's how they talk. Well, you, and it wasn't like men versus women. But it turned into that. It turned into that because. But why? Well, I think in part because, because for example, what we're doing right here. You create a space where you're unfiltered. You talk black, but you're talking to human beings across the identity spectrum. In this society, often conversations we have get filtered through other perspectives. You can't break male-female down outside the black community the way you would break it down inside the black community. Part of the offense was Snoop is looking at that and just listening to him, I'm saying, you came for Lisa Leslie. She not a black man. And she's talking about Kobe Bryant like that's my little brother. In other words, you, you know, rape is a not a women's issue to a woman's brother or a woman's father or a woman. In other words, Gail, uh, Gail is coming at this from a gender perspective. He treated her like a white woman. Come a white, on now. A white man. Exactly. And in the black community, do we have gender problems? Oh, hell yeah. We got to have serious conversations. But one thing that we are probably better at than white communities is we're going to kind of think of community sometime. So it's like you're talking about this man like this, about this rape case, and he lost him. as He's dead, and his 13-year-old daughter is dead. Snoop's anger seemed to be coming out of a community thing. Then he says, we going to come for you. Okay, that's some hood talk. Bruh, you got to slow your roll on that. So I guess what I would say finally is that here we are sitting here. You're having this conversation. People are listening. They're thinking about this. 
And then we ask a question. When is Gail going to apologize to Vanessa and the girls? Right. Waiting on that, Gail. It's not. Do you think it's going to happen? No. Why don't why don't because uh, there was I Come actually on. bet and lost a bet because I didn't think Snoop was going to apologize. Cause Interesting. Because I, I felt like a he meant what he said. No question. <laughs> well, he meant it. No question. And because of how he moves, that he didn't need to. Because he didn't need that check. That's how I looked at it. Mm. I, I assumed he didn't need the check. But you think now they came down on him a little hard I think so. Uh-huh. I think so. But, you know, but but also he was wrong. No question. And I didn't think he had the maturity to admit that oh, as well. Yeah. So I was, I, was, I was wrong all the way around. Mm. I was like, you know, the way he moves in the world, I just didn't think that he was going to be mature enough to say, I crossed a line that I shouldn't have because he gave up, in my opinion, the right to be right once he did the second bitch. The, the first funky co- dog headed bitch, he could have got away with because it was hilarious. It was a little funny. <laughs> right, right, like, right. You, you are literally a dog face. Come on. Call somebody a dog Come face. On. That's crazy. Come on. But then the, uh, we're coming for you. I thought it was igniting something that, yeah. that he couldn't have stopped had it caught oh, fire. No question. And, but he would have been blamed for. Yeah. And that's why I felt like he needed to apologize just to get the heat off him because God forbid something were to happen to this oh. woman, he'd have gone down for that. And that's a terroristic threat and all this other. Oh, they would have no. they would have come for him. That's exactly right. So the apology needed to happen on that front, but I didn't think he was going to do it because I didn't think he had to. That said, Gail, you don't think she's going to apologize? Well, I mean, just like she said, should. Just like you said, you were wrong about that. I'm probably wrong to say that she won't. No, apologize. you're probably right. I, no, I don't. But, but, I'm not reading this. But, but, I know, obviously. Well, well, I think actually, I think that's the phrase right there in the Karen. It's impossible to read because after all, who are we talking about? We're talking about a young brother, not a young brother anymore. We talking about a brother, Calvin Brodus, who we call Snoop, whose album cover for his first album was Dogs, who made a career of saying we don't love them hoes and all the B words stuff like that. So it's not like we're talking about a lovable figure. He transitions through the soul playing era and sitting up next to Martha Stewart. This is this is the definition of blackness in this society. This, <laughs> right, Woodson right, is like, right. you know what they love black people for? Entertaining and sports. So how does a guy like that have any moral standing except in communities where it's impossible to read? Mm. It's like so much of our identity has been created out of stereotypes that we haven't even figured out who we are, which which reinforces the point you've been making all along. Right. And we should, as we sit with Mr. Shipman, uh, trumpet playing yes. uh, guy that went to boarding school Computer from Jersey City. Computer programming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, when, the, when he walks into the world, they see a guy named Jamal. Right. A tall, athletic black dude who must play something, right? Not an instrument, right? And and we fight that. And listen, I even fight it. You know what? We, we had a, a moment in the studio because I have one of these kicks, these soul glows. By the way, I'm about to say I'm soul glows. Like, Dwight Howard had these on um, during during his horrible um, slam dunk <laughs> performance, and I was like, "Take those shoes off! You are disrespecting the soul." <laughs> anyway, and the guy was like, "What size you wear? What size are these?" And I said, "So it's street. We were having a little street." conversation yeah and he was like they my size and he said so on the street that would mean you have to take them off you gotta run them shoes yeah no question and i was like well you're gonna have to lift them off of me and that's gonna be but i I don't fight let me just be real about it (laughs) i'm not a i'm not a fight fight with my mouth Uh, the the words that come out of my mouth now i'm not i listen i got weight on me i probably could put hands but it's not the weight it's not my choice of weapon my choice of weapon is my tongue because it's mightier than any sword i learned that at an early age plus my mama said you're gonna go to jail if you put your hands on people because you're too damn big (laughs) and i don't want to come get you so 
but the you know, but I I would want like I wanted to buck up and get tough. No like, question. I'm like, who am I fooling? You you're probably gonna take these sneakers because I would do the calculation in my head. I can buy another pair That's of sneakers. Point. I would do that. That's I point. cannot buy another life. Take the sneakers. That's I right. would come to that conclusion. They make the decision every day on the streets of America. No question. So, but but there is this thing where you want to be tough and you want to oh, show that you you know, I'm not I'm not a punk. I'm not. But what is it costing us? And what Everything. are we gaining? Everything. And so, like, I just want us to start thinking more strategically. Is your life more valuable than a, a thing? No. And if you're out in the streets taking people's stuff, isn't it easier to work? <laughs> it's hard. So, I mean, you can go to yes. jail. I mean, it's just like, come on. Like, yes. damn it. Yes. 866-801-8255. And on this article, which I probably don't have time to dissect, Howard Bryant's Why Black Athletes Run From Black Identity, it talks about Tiger Woods and O.J. Simpson and how, uh, like, Dwayne, The Rock Johnson, and how easy it is for black athletes to assimilate into a culture that's not their own, and how easy it is for white, like you said, for white Americans to accept people in this position. Because OJ was at the top before he um, killed people. How about that? <laughs> and they love him some tiger until he, you know, right. ran into that tree and got and got two-piece by his wife, two allegedly. Uh, yeah, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. Uh, but, you know, even Kobe, you know, there's an iconic thing that happens with people who, who play a sport or who can entertain you, but they still don't even see us. But right. if you're navigating in those spaces, my question is, what what are you doing? We talk, You talked about Paul Robeson. Very, you just dropped mm-hmm. him in. Mm-hmm. Somebody who was unapologetically black but could navigate in spaces if he wanted to. That's right. That's right. But who also became political. Yeah. And was literally erased. Robeson was erased. And funny, earlier we were talking about reparations. Um, we met about three years ago at, um, what is it, Big Bethel, AME Zion Church in Harlem. That was Paul Robeson's brother, Ben. He was the pastor there. We met there for the National African American Reparations Coalition. We had a big reparations meeting. Uh, Ron Daniels, who you know, who's here in town. Yes. Um, Ron kind of helped put that coalition together. Professor. And Cobra. Oh yeah, good brother, man. Yeah. So, so, but the reason I bring it up is because at his peak, Paul Robeson was one of, if not the highest paid entertainer in the country. All American football player, law degree from Columbia. After he came out of Rutgers, biggest movie star in the country. Football player at Rutgers. Football player at Rutgers. Rutgers of Robeson. Denied entry into the College Football Hall of Fame because of his politics. They let Robeson in posthumously after he died in 75. But that's that's my point. When he came out in the peace movement, when he said the Soviet Union really isn't our enemy, we got Jim Crow here. When he said all those kind of things, he said, Paul Robeson's a communist. He said, no. Whether I'm a communist is not, not your business because it's a First Amendment and I don't care. Who do they do? They line up Jackie Robinson. They line up Langston Hughes to go testify against him. Then they asked Paul Rose. Langston Hughes testified against yeah, Paul well, Rose. Well, they were asking Langston Hughes if he was a communist. He said, oh, you know, and then he named names. And he was ashamed because of what he did testifying, of course. And then Jackie Robinson comes out and says, well, I don't know why Robeson would say these kind of things. America allowed him to earn a living. And then he writes in his autobiography in 75, just before he died, I never had it made. He says, that was a mistake. I should never have let them use me. But then they go to Robeson and say, so what you think about what Jackie Robinson said? Paul Robeson said, yeah, um, you'll never get me to attack Jackie Robinson. Y'all made him say that. So what do they do? They strip Robeson. He can't perform anywhere. He can't earn any money. They they take his passport, he and his wife, Essie. And Ben Robeson up in Harlem is one of the few places Paul Robeson can give a public concert. And it's black people that put a little money in his pocket and let him keep going. But he went from the biggest star in the world. They basically Kaepernicked him before Kaepernick. So, yes, what Howard Bryan is writing here 
is true. Whether it's Madison Keys saying, I'm not black or white, I'm just Madison. And all these black people out here at the U.S. Open to watch you play. Whether Tiger Woods said, yeah, I'm cannibalasian. Yeah, not when your wife bust out the back of that car and they had your behind in there for the mugshot, they put black. In other words, Brian is saying, no matter how you see yourself, they're always going to see you as black. And the rule that they have for you is do not get political because we will end your entire public life. And they've proven it over and over again. That's why I got a lot of respect for these young cats like uh, LeBron and them. Mm -hmm. because you know, The Bennett Le brothers. Oh, no question. But when LeBron says, my man's right here, Rich Paul, I'm going to hire the best lawyers, the best agents in the country. They're going to train Rich, and I'm going to go to Rich. Rich, you good? You got everything? Yeah. Okay, thanks, gentlemen, for your service. Now y'all going to deal with my mans. <laughs> then they tried to body him Maverick. with the, you know? Yeah. Then they yeah. tried to body him with the NC28. The NC28, we're going to have a rule. Oh, yeah, you going to have a rule? No problem. We can ready to flex, and they had to back all the way back. If these black women and men ever figure out that they can use that power, what you've been telling people on the airways for years, this whole thing could change by the end of this week. Please, somebody here, hear Dr. Carr. No, hear what you. He say, hear what he's saying. Let's uh, head over to Ben in South Carolina because I have been uh, not taking calls, but now I will. Ben in South Carolina, you're on. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Hello, it's Bernie. Bernie. Oh, that's Baba right. Bernie. Is that Bernie Gallman hey. in Columbia, South Carolina? These brothers got rites of passage and temple. They do a lot of work here in, in Columbia, South Carolina. That's oh, good that's my, my daddy went to oh. Allen. So oh, I'm did he? You. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Hotel, my brother. Hotel, brother. Okay, I wanted to draw a, a, a parallel between, I called a little earlier and I had to hang up. Uh, He's between, a regular listener uh, to your show, by the way. He uh, talks about that. Yeah. Carter G. Woodson's uh, organization and ASCAC. Yes, yes. ASCAC, and, for those uh, you who don't know, is the Association for the Study of Classical African Civilizations. Bernie is a member, long-time organization, yes. And I wanted to also, uh, if it's appropriate, I don't know whether I missed it, for you to talk about this whole thing about HOTEP because it's being used in a negative way against people who use it so often. Yes. And I'm wondering if you could speak on that. Oh, yes, sir, brother. Always, always. Yeah. What Bernie, brother Bernie's talking about, Karen, we were talking earlier about technology and Internet and people coming out. There's this whole thing where uh, young, I don't say young, I'm not going to say young people, but a lot of people who use social media more frequently than others groups, they've started saying, calling people who talk about Africa and history and cultures kind of thing, hoteps. Right. But uh, I do that. Yeah. So let me just say, I do that. And yeah. what I've identified is that there are people who have not put the scholarship in That's that you exactly have. That's exactly right. Who have not put the scholarship in that Brother Bernie has. Yes. Who are bastardizing actual history. Yes. They're using it as a platform, as a weapon, as a way of dividing. That's right. And they use the the whole so we call it hotepery. Yes. And I and I make fun <laughs> of it because you you haven't done the work to have the right to speak. And I think somebody should should say that. I'm gonna say it no, today. No, you just said it. I'm gonna say it today. Uh, someone got. You can't tell people it's freedom of speech. Yes, but do you have the right to speak? Have you done the work mm. to be able to? open your mouth and have these conversations yes. and i'm not saying you need to know everything but you should know something you should know something and the problem is people get a half a piece of knowledge it's like a little bit of yeast mm. and they run with it That's and they right. and and as a result it undermines you put in work you could say anything on these airwaves and mm. i know that it's coming from a place where you've done the work and it's just you you've earned that you've earned that brother bernie has earned that yeah. and i while i don't want to defile you know people who 
associate with. So what is? No. What, I I just want to be right. Well, but. No, 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 no. I don't think there's a, there's. A, well, let me put it this way. The irony is that this label, this kind of derisive use of, of the word hotel, hotel, by the way, in hieroglyphs, if we were to write them out, it, it it's a word that means peace. Mm. So the word literally means peace. Hotel, HTP is the, the unilaterals, but that's a whole lesson in hieroglyphs. So, um, but the irony is the word becomes a critical word inside black communities, meaning there has been a generation of young people who kind of surf in the web, haven't really studied, but they think they're studying because they kind of jumping from website to website. And th that means the desire is there. They watch Hidden Colors and exactly. they know everything. One, two, three, four, five. Right, exactly. Which means the discipline isn't there and the structure isn't there. These are young people who we're saying we can reach out to and build with. But now it's in the whole combative culture, the fight culture. This word begins to be used that way, particularly by some young women of African descent. I learned this at Howard, listening to these young people who had begun to be kind of uh, in, in people started approaching them, trying to hook up with them in these communities. Oh, sister, hotel, sister. And so they started critiquing this kind of these kind of dudes that are hustling. Right, they done right. found a new hustle. <laughs> the problem came in once it moved beyond these communities. Because these are communities of people who are trying to build for our community. But then it goes beyond that, and the words started getting picked up by people who really have no interest in building black community. They just want to criticize everything. So now people say, oh, Ashy Hotep, Shea Butter Hotep. Okay, that, okay, you know what? I take all that and say, good. Now, what exactly are you doing to help? Or as Sonia Sanchez used to say, yeah, but how do we free us? In other words, how does your, how does your criticism free us? When they can't answer that, uh -uh. Dismissed. Yeah, but okay. the people who are coming, that was a legitimate critique that has to be had because it's about patriarchy. Right. But it started in the street and then turned into something else. So what Bernie is raising, finally, the last thing I'll say, we study Egyptian language. ASCAC, we teach it at Howard. Dr. Mario Beatty, one of the finest teachers in the country, every time he's got a classroom full of students who begin to learn the hieroglyphs and these black students, we take students to Egypt every year. We go in the first two weeks of August. We're reading the glyphs off the wall. Wow. When you see the power of this African language, older than Greek, older than Latin, the foundation for so much, you realize we gotta, we gotta, we gotta take that word back because it's killing us. Mm. It's killing us. But the critique underneath, nah, we need to keep that front and center because that's killing us too. That's the complicated part. We're here to have the complicated questions yes. and, and Thanks, answers. Yes. yes, thank you, Bernie, for bringing that to the table because I I nef definitely would ha would not have Dr. Carr. You you have a movement. What you mean? Do, uh, do, I'm, I'm you know what, Karen. If I had to say it in a sentence, I'm a reader who teaches, and I'm glad to be at a black institution. That's okay. what I do. So in terms of a movement, I try to participate in movements of people. Just like we sitting here. You got a movement. I'm moving with you today. We're moving together. It's a movement. It's uh, a movement. All right. <laughs> Let's go to Doug in Miami. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Thank you for calling. Miss Hunter. Doug. What's going on? You, you know, you, you are amazing. Yes. You are the most amazing sister person I've encountered in millenniums. Co-sign, brother. I'm oh. co-signing, Doug. All right. I appreciate you, all you, that. You, you, you have guests that pique the interest of the cerebral person. You, you, you are amazing. Let me tell you something. What, what you're, you guys are talking about is so true. And I think that if more of us understood what really was going on and this eugenics thing and, and the race thing and our place, how we're trying to be made to be put in our place when we react to things, 
um, it, it, we would we would be a much better group of people because we are reactionary yeah. and not proactive. Yes. We need a think tank. Yes. We need a think tank. Like most groups, they have a think tank, and they can uh, decipher these things. They think of all the things that could possibly happen, and then they can counter it before it happens. We have no such thing. So we basically react to what's done to us, and they are proactive in doing diabolical things to us. And we know who they are. Right. All right. Well, but I love you guys. Love I, you I love you so much, Ms. Hunter, <laughs> for doing what Listen. you do, and the guests, and the doctor. I mean, you guys are amazing. These are things I thought only I knew about. Okay. Well, we need to get out more. So this is, you know, <laughs> right. no, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, I can't be the most. That just means you haven't met a whole lot of people, and this is the beauty of sitting here every day. That means whoever you meet better measure up to at Come least on. this right here, right, right. Doug. That's and, right. And if it doesn't, go find it because here's the beauty. We're out here. All there's, yeah. We're out here. We just don't stretch ourselves to go meet people who are. But this think tank thing, we've had think tanks. Oh, no question. We well, have them now. Ron Daniels has the Institute of the Black World for the 21st Century. Okay. IBW21. Dr. Daniels has that going on. on here. And, and, and the beautiful thing about it is his formation is not about leading anyone. It's just about bringing all the groups around the table. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now if I hadn't spent that summer in 1989 in New York, in, in Jersey Ajua, City. Right, with Ajua's father? Ajua, no, well, Ajua's yeah, father and I were in that same program. Ajua's father was in the same PhD program. He was from Ghana. He came to Temple. He was one of those superstars that I was like, I'll never get in this program with cats like Kwame Batwe Azmoa. And then, so, yeah, so I... I his when I got to school, he brought Ajua to me. She was 18 years old. He said, "Look after my daughter, cause you two are my son. I, I gotta look out." I said, "Okay, I'll look out for it." And that's how we known each other. But when I spent the summer in '89, which led me to go into Black Studies here in New York, I was at the think tank, the First World Alliance. That was the name of the Saturday study group that met every Saturday in Harlem. I know this is a tough thing to answer in the next five minutes. <laughs> no, throughout history. Right. We seem to like get it. You know, you had um, even before before Carter G. Woodson, you know, I was, I've been talking about Robert Church, who I'm just discovering. Yes. And and uh, Hannah Elias. And there were like so many powerful black people that I had never heard of before yes. moving the needle. Yes. We know about Booker T and W.B. Du Bois. They couldn't get it together. Mm. Constantly fighting. Mm. Didn't make any sense. They were both right. right. You were both right. Marcus Garvey comes in. He's right, too, because knowledge of self is super important. And if you want to go back, go back. Don't go back. Don't go back. But don't denigrate the man and don't try right. to get him jack jacked up because you don't like him. Right. Um, Nanny Helen Burroughs, mm -hmm. Booker T, sat her down, sat down. Uh, Madam C.J. Walker, jealous of both of them because no they have, like, dude, we don't have the luxury Come on. to be jealous of people who Come are moving on. the needle. Get, on. On, get out the way. Come on. Martin and Malcolm. Yes. Then they're both gone. You know, it's like so. Mm. Even within the Black Panther Party, you had within. No question. Can we get there? Like, what does that look like? How do we? How do we navigate our own? And you, you dropped it with the eugenics. Mm. Brown paper bag test to get into sororities and fraternities. Come on. To get into schools. We're doing that to ourselves. Richard ain't right? in that conversation. I just came back from Accra. Skin bleaching, Ooh, weaves, talk wigs. About it, talk about it. Like prevalent. Skin bleaching there in the was a, yes. Right down the main road, so many advertisements for skin bleaching and hair right in the center island. I'm like, what are we doing? My God. What are we doing? My God. Well. Mm. So how do we navigate that, Dr. Carr? 
Because if we don't get that right, none of this matters. Well, everyone's been listening. Just in five minutes, you put the problem right on the table. These are all, Malcolm asked a question, right? We hear it all the time in the videos. He says, who taught you to hate yourself? This is self-hatred. So Woodson, when he writes The Miseducation of the Negro, well, actually, he didn't write it in 1933. He actually had written a series of newspaper articles he pulls together in 33 and publishes them. In fact, I did something I would never do. I took my copy out. This is the 1933 book right here. Are you kidding me? Yeah, this is the this is the it was this is one of the ones that was published by Associated Publishers. Oh my God, where'd you get that? Oh, you know, one of the many bookshops. I probably got about fifty thousand books over the last thirty years. So I got this, I think in Ohio, if I remember correctly, about twenty years ago. But the interesting thing about it is, Woodson published his own books. Just like you, you're following in the same trajectory of Carter Woodson. I'm not going to a white publishing company. He published this book. But what he says in here, he's got a chapter here called How We Missed the Mark. Mm. He's like, you've got to understand, no one will ever train you to liberate yourself. He said, we need a history that's going to be told from our perspective. He said, you go to school and you are more worried about who Henry VIII was in love with. Was he in love with Anne Boleyn? And you don't even know your mama's history. He said, go and find out your history from your family. In other words, so what you've described, how we combat it, we stop disrespecting ourselves. I think Snoop was stumbling towards that with Gail, but you don't go ahead, as you said, you don't go ahead a conversation publicly, bro. You don't put that on Facebook. You don't get on Twitter. You don't get in no beef on Instagram. But that's what we need institutions. Everybody want to be the man, literally in the case of Booker T. Washington. How you going to mess with with uh with nanny helen burris who's training black girls in dc nursing education come on how you gonna call out sarah breedlove madam cj walker when she's got a factory in indianapolis where black women are putting these products together and then y'all gonna lay something on her like she was messing with black women's hair this woman said this formula came to me in a dream and it helps our hair grow and i'm gonna help black women get money because i'm gonna make them my agents and you're gonna make your own money how you gonna come for them well part of it was he's being animated by andrew carnegie and by the by you the said railroad, animated. yeah, you said animated, yeah, because they giving him a check. Andrew Carnegie had a personal line of credit for Booker T. Washington. He said, "Here's the money for your school, and here's a little something you can draw from." So part of this, some of these people are attack dogs. One of the reasons we can't have a conversation about Obama, an intelligent conversation, is because even though he's not the president anymore, Obama maybe can get your series greenlit for Netflix. Obama getting money, he's going to build a presidential library and people in Chicago worried because they're about to get displaced and put out their own neighborhood. Is Barack Obama your hero? Then you need to go look and see the people who are stuffing his pockets because those are the people who are going to make the decisions about black lives. Stop worshiping people because of how they look. What are they going to do for you? Again, I'll end with this. Sonia Sanchez gave the question. I love that sister from Birmingham, Alabama, but raised right here in Harlem and many for many years, lives in Philly now. Sister Sonia always says, yeah, but how do we free us? That's the question you should always ask anybody stand up in front of you. And anybody asking that question of you, we get that answer five days a week, sis. This is how it frees us. We got to do for ourselves.